In the name of Jesus, amen. The chief priests and the elders of the people came to Jesus after he had entered into the temple while he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave this authority to you? Very simple, direct, and uh, straightforward questions. And they're questions that could be answered in a very simple, direct, and straightforward way. And very important questions, too, since they speak to Jesus' identity and the very nature of his ministry. And again, they could be answered in a very simple, straightforward, and direct way. And so, gosh, why doesn't Jesus just answer the question? I mean, you heard where the pericope ended. It ends hanging with the question yet unanswered. Why doesn't he just answer the question? After all these things that Jesus has been doing that have led to these questions, pretty big things. He came into Jerusalem in a public demonstration, allowing himself to be proclaimed the son of David. Then he took over the temple, kicked out the money changers, and began to set up shop, teaching, healing the blind and the lame. And now he's come back again today to set up shop, and he's teaching. And if it's Jesus teaching, he's teaching as one who has authority, That means as one who assumes that those who hear him ought to listen and respond. And if he's proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, that response is repentance and faith. Then there's something that we, the readers and hearers of Matthew, know that even those authorities don't know. Early this morning, Jesus cursed a fruitless fig tree, and it died. And now, maybe to our 21st century American hearts, that just seems like something that's just downright mean. And so, I mean, this is a good time to clarify. Okay, Jesus, uh, by what authority are you doing these things? Jesus, who gave this authority to you? And please, just answer the darn question. Well, this question was once asked in a Bible study based upon this text by a woman who was bold enough to say, Why doesn't Jesus just answer the darn question? Well, instead, Jesus gives them a challenge. He asks them a question. If they answer his question, he'll answer their question. They won't answer his question, and so he doesn't answer their question. It's almost as if we're left hanging, not knowing where Jesus got this authority. Well, this woman who was bold enough to ask this question was someone in that community who was more or less a local celebrity, someone whose voice was heard very frequently in the public square. And as a Christian, she was always bold to share her Christian faith whenever it came up. But she told of her frustration that in the circles that she traveled with the bigwigs, the powerful people, the local businessmen, those who ran the radio and the newspaper, that many of these people were hostile and contemptuous of her Christian faith. And yet she felt that it was her need to continue to witness and be an apologist to these people. But she found that they would not take the New Testament's word for it. They would not listen to what Matthew said about Jesus, nor would they take the church's confession. They knew enough to know that Matthew is propaganda. 
It's telling about a Christ of faith, and they knew enough by watching Discovery and A&E and those other shows that the real Jesus is not on the pages of Matthew, but he's somewhere underneath the pages of Matthew. You have to look back behind, and you'll find that that Jesus probably isn't anything like the Jesus we Christians confess, the Jesus Matthew attests to. And yet, strangely, this is what she said. Many of these same people had a very high opinion of Jesus. So their challenge to her was, if Jesus ever said he's the Christ, the Son of God, if Jesus said it, not the church, not Peter, if Jesus ever said it, then we would believe. And of course, they said you have to take the Gospel of John out of the equation. And so she was doing her Bible study to try to find a passage that could prove it to these people once and for all. And so in this Bible study, she suddenly just burst out, why doesn't he answer the darn question? Here's the opportunity. We're out in public. Jesus is teaching in the temple. The authorities have come. They've asked this question, and he could give a simple, direct answer. I get my authority from God. What I do, I do because God gave me this authority. And if Jesus were simply to answer that, well, that would settle it, right? Those authorities would all fall down and repent. And all these people today who are questioning, they would repent also. Or would they? Jesus, in a sense, does answer the question, but he does it in his own unique way, that if you've been paying attention, you'll see the answer. In asking that question, he responds with, where does John's baptism come from, from men or from heaven? Well, how you answer that question will answer the question about Jesus' authority. If you say that John's baptism is from men, so you rate Jesus. But if you say that John's baptism comes from heaven, then you know that Jesus' work also comes from heaven. And as Jesus goes on to tell a series of parables, it makes it very clear that John's baptism is of God, and these authorities should have repented, that he was also the son sent from God, and these authorities should have repented. But instead, they plan to oppose him and kill and destroy him. The fact of the matter is, is that these religious authorities have already failed to repent when God sent his word through his prophet John. And they failed to repent when Jesus is preached as well. In fact, these are the very men Jesus already told us is about, are going to try to destroy him. He's going to suffer at their hands. And so when they ask a question as seemingly godly and pious and straightforward, we know that it isn't. In fact, we see their hearts when they won't ask or answer a very simple, direct question that Jesus gives them. And we know what they think, but they're afraid. They're hypocrites. They are, in fact, godless. Because if they believed in God, then they would have believed in Jesus. They didn't believe in Jesus. This is the evidence, then, that they did not believe in God. And so, watch out, lest you should ever have their point of view and take their side. Jesus is about to trap, he's about to oppose them as they oppose him. He's going to take every attempt they're going to have to question and trap him and slap it down and drive them back to that main point, render under God the things that are God's. And if you did that, you would repent and believe. They're going to oppose and destroy him. And then when they see the empty tomb in chapter 28 of Matthew, when they see the sign of Jonah fulfilled, even then they will not believe. 
Those who oppose Jesus, in the end, are opposed by Jesus. Beware, because when Jesus curses a fruitless fig tree, it withers and it dies. But you were not called to that. You were called to repentance. You were called to confession and to faith. It falls to you, the disciples of Jesus, not to question, but to confess with Peter, to confess with God the Father from heaven that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, that as his Father's Son, he did his Father's will, proclaiming the kingdom of heaven and establishing salvation upon earth. The pastor that day in the Bible study was able to give a clear answer that Jesus maybe doesn't seem to give. He reminded that woman and all the others, well, no, we know his authority comes from God. God gave him that authority. She withdrew her question laughing, saying, I know, I know, but why don't they know? Well, it's because if they won't listen to the gospel proclaimed by the church, the gospel attested in Matthew, they're not going to hear, well, even if Jesus himself were to say it himself. But you, you've been called to confess this. When Jesus speaks in parables, we, his church, speak clearly. What Jesus tells us in the dark, we speak in the light. What he whispers in the ear, we proclaim from the rooftops. This honor and privilege has been given to us. And to you who are here to prepare for a call into the office of the Holy Ministry, God will put you in that public place where you can publicly attest and confess to Jesus Christ, your Lord, your Savior, to proclaim to God's people and to those outside that God has established his kingdom through his son Jesus, that Jesus was faithful to his Father, and in this, God has been faithful to us. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Jesus, who saves his people from their sins. And that is who you are, because God has called you through baptism and made you his own. You are his people, and he has saved you. So what is spoken in the dark, we speak in the light. What is whispered in the ear, we proclaim from the rooftops. Jesus came in the authority of his Father and has established his Father's kingdom. And for us, this is blessedness and salvation to all who believe. May the Lord God, our Heavenly Father, keep us steadfast in this confession and in this proclamation, both now and unto the consummation of the age. Amen.